Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. One of the most pointed questions in our Bible was penned by the writer of the Hebrews in chapter 2 and verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Just ten words, but what a tremendous question to consider. In today's broadcast, evangelist Mr. Marvin Dirksen primarily takes up the last three words of this question, so great salvation. Yes, the salvation of God can only be described as so great. Do you know anything about it? Mr. Dirksen explains it for us in five different ways. Its source, God himself before the world began. Its scope, you see it includes everyone, including you. Its simplicity, yes, salvation is offered on the simplest of terms. Its sacrifice, the death of Christ on the cross as payment for sin, and its sentence, and that involves the consequences of neglecting God's offer. We trust that this broadcast will be a blessing to you, and that if you've never received this so great salvation, you will do so today. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 3. And the writer asks a very personal, solemn question. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Ten simple and yet ten monumental words. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I think most of us will likely not forget about October of 2010. One of the most viewed media events of all time took place in the land of Chile as that rescue attempt was undertaken. Earlier in the summer, that cave-in had taken place. Thirty-three miners found themselves in the depths of the darkness of the earth with absolutely no strength to do anything for themselves. They could pray, they could try, they could cry, they could try to start moving boulders, but it was an impossible task. But on the surface, many, many hundreds of feet above, a rescue attempt began. And as that shaft was sunk and bored through the, the rock face, down to where those men were, it finally broke through. And in the month of October, the rescue began. I don't know if you followed it, but I remember following it on AOL. And I remember walking upstairs, or I think it was running upstairs, and I... I said, Barbara, they, they've got 16 already. 16 of 33, I was rooting for them. And then after a little while, I went up again and they said, they've got 18. And well ahead of schedule, all 33 men rescued, rescued. Tremendous. A great, great rescue. But tonight what we have read is a far greater sin. In fact, the Bible calls it so great salvation. 
And tonight I'd like to look at this scripture because there are really three things in these ten words that are, are really pivotal for this service tonight. We read, first of all, heaven's provision with its unsurpassed greatness. So great salvation. It's heaven's provision. But we have read, secondly, about apparel with its unavoidable issues. You are faced with a tremendous peril, a tremendous danger. And that is just simply to neglect God's salvation. I'm sure all who are here tonight, I'm assuming anyway, that most of you who have come intend to be in heaven. You have every desire to be there. You plan to be there. But perhaps there are individuals here tonight and you're not saved. You've never been born again as we've been hearing. You're faced with a peril. This peril with its unavoidable issues. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Unanswered question. How shall we escape? Why doesn't the Bible answer it? The Bible doesn't answer it because it's obvious. And I think what we certainly saw when that little rescue capsule, was it called a phoenix? When that little amazing capsule was lowered down and it broke into that cavity and whatever it was, I don't know if it was a door or a hatch or whatever was opened up, every single one of those men had a choice to make. Will I enter or will I compress myself? Will I allow myself to be hoisted up to safety? Every one of those men had a choice to make. I don't think I have to tell you that 33 of 33 made the right choice. They did. To stay where they were is to perish. And tonight we're dealing with a far, far greater issue. I, I trust you'll understand that you need to be saved tonight. That's the starting point. Nicodemus had to understand he needed to be born again. He needed to be saved. He needed to be forgiven. He needed life. And tonight we need to be saved because of our sin. I have a soul to be saved. May this truth be engraved on my mind and my heart while I'm young. Oh, how awful the cost if my soul should be lost and in hell if I die as I am. We need to be saved because of our sin. This book tells us, and I didn't take the time to read it. I maybe should have. But this, this chapter tells us every transgression and every disobedience shall receive a just recompense of reward. Nothing escapes the all-seeing eye of God. There are likely things hidden in your life that only you know about. Maybe your friends don't know. Maybe your parents don't know. Maybe your, your spouse doesn't know. But you know, and you've hidden it. But God knows. All things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so we need to be saved. And yet the message of the gospel is that there is so great salvation that God has provided. And so I want to look at these ten words. Would you allow me to start at the back at the end of the verse? Because I'd like to start with so great salvation. God's provision with its unsurpassed greatness. It's interesting that the writer, whoever he was, added the little word so. Now, if he had said great salvation, we would have said he's absolutely right. But when the writer says so great salvation, it amplifies it. It makes us aware that there is something that we need to look at because this is not just an ordinary thing. In fact, the Bible uses that word a number of times. And you'll recall that in Isaiah chapter 52, as Isaiah was writing about the servant, Jehovah's servant that would come, it says of him, his visage, his countenance, his face was so marred 
more than any man. Unrecognizable. There are times that individuals are treated with contempt and they're bruised and battered. Rodney King was, was a man who was subjected to police violence down was in L.A. And the pictures of him after that police beating were horrific. But Isaiah 52 goes far beyond the L.A. scene because this wondrous person who came from heaven had been pummeled and beaten and spit upon and abused. His back had been raked with a Roman lash. He had been crowned with a crown of thorns. Humanly speaking, he was unrecognizable, so marred more than any man. I don't think I have to tell you about John 3.16. God so loved the world. Oh, how do we begin to describe that? How do we begin to comprehend it? If that verse said God loved the world, we would be amazed. What amazes me is that God not only loved the world, but God so loved this world that he actually gave his only begotten son. I have never found one reason in 39 years of enjoying God's salvation why God would ever save me, not one. I don't deserve to be saved. Never have and never will. But John 3.16 tells us God so loved the world that he did something about that. His love was expressed in a very costly way that he gave his only begotten son and the greatest search and rescue mission ever undertaken took place. It started at, I was going to say it started at Bethlehem. No, it started in heaven. And it involved Bethlehem. And it took that Savior, that Rescuer, to the cross. And now we have read this wonderful statement, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Can I tell you why this salvation is just so great? This is a so great salvation because of the Savior himself. I've got to start there. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If the Queen came into the room today, we very likely, without any hesitation, we would all stand up. But this one, this so great a Savior, we'd have to fall down at his feet. We would have to acknowledge my Lord and my God. And yet this wondrous one who made the worlds, this wondrous one who, who sustains everything by the word of his power, this one who put every star in his orbit, the heavens are the work of his fingers. Imagine that. Yet he came. He became a man of sorrows. He became acquainted with grief. And he allowed men to actually handle him. John said he was from the beginning. We heard him. We saw him. We scrutinized him. We handled him. Our hands have handled of the word of life. But he allowed wicked hands to handle him. But oh, he was the one who would come to seek and to save that which is lost. And this so great salvation involves the rescuer himself. There wasn't another good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. But this, this so great salvation is so great because of its, of its source. This is not a man-made salvation. This is a salvation that has its very source in heaven itself. The Bible says Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if I were to tell you that I came today, you'd be able to say rightly, now where did you come from? That would be an obvious question. When it says Christ Jesus came into the world, we'd say, where did he come from? 
Oh, down from the glory the Savior came, down to the cross and the death of shame. He came from heaven, and angels must have been amazed. They must have wondered as he became lower than angels for those years. They watched his descent. They saw the mighty creator step into his own creation. They saw the father of eternity now marked by time. They must have been amazed. The source of this so great salvation is heaven itself. But there's something else about this salvation that makes it so great. It's the scope. It's the scope. This is a a salvation for the world. This is not just for a, a restricted company. This is not just for good people. This is not just for North American people. This same salvation, this same message, this same Savior. I've often thought if I could speak Chinese, I could go to China and preach the very same message. Thank God there are those who are preaching it over there. And if I could speak Spanish, I could go down to South America and preach. And if I could learn Russian fast enough, I could go up to Moscow and preach. This is a message for the world. No difference in race, no exclusion with regard to age. There's young people here. This is a salvation for you. There might be grandparents here. This is a salvation for you. There are young couples here. This is a salvation for you. Nothing to do with race or culture or creed or religion or background or lifestyle. God has no scrap heaps. God is not a respecter of persons. God's desire is that all be saved. And what has amazed me in watching God's hand at work is just to watch him moving in the, in the affairs of people. We were having meetings a few years ago. A young woman just arrived from Japan. She listened well, and I wasn't sure exactly where she was coming from. I didn't know if she could understand the English language or if she had heard the gospel before. I discovered she was struggling with both the language and the message. Came Thursday, came Friday, came Sunday, came Monday, four nights. And as they were going home on Monday night, this young woman from Japan, she said, that is good message. Will that message make me clean? And I thought, wow, the hand of God has moved a woman halfway around the world, thousands of miles. And in four nights, this woman has learned two wonderful truths. This is a good message. This is a wonderful message of deliverance, of salvation, of rescue. And this message is designed to make me clean. This message is designed to deal with my sin problem. I wonder, wouldn't you like to be clean as far as God is concerned? Wouldn't you like to have your sins forgiven? Wouldn't you like to have your record cleared for all eternity? Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be apprehensive about. Just to know that my sins have been forgiven. My dear friend tonight, one of the greatest words in the English language is forgiven. This is a so great salvation because of its scope. But there's something amazing about this so great salvation. It's simplicity. It's simplicity. This is not a complicated thing. You don't have to have a university degree to understand. In fact, the Lord Jesus could say, Come unto me, all ye that labor, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God's big word, God's simple word is come. The door is open. Simple. And tonight, this so great salvation is so great because of its simplicity. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to measure up because we can't measure up. But God's invitation is, come as you are. Come as a guilty sinner. Come as a helpless sinner. Is it any wonder that those 33 men 
without any hesitation. Well, they, they, they were kind of jockeying for as to who was going to be last. But there was no one that said, well, I'm going to stay where I am. No, every single one of them, when their turn came, they got into that Phoenix capsule and up they came. Come. Thank God the door is still open. But I want you to understand that this is a so great salvation, not just because of its simplicity, but because of its sacrifice, because of its cost. I'd be interested to know the final cost of the Chilean rescue attempt, or rescue effort, rather. No doubt millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Men working around the clock to try and reach 33 men. And yet we're reminded today that we're not redeemed. We haven't been rescued. We haven't been paid for with corruptible things. All the millions of this world could never bring a person to heaven. But there was a tremendous cost involved when the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. It was the cost of blood. It was the cost of a life. It was the cost of a soul that was poured out to death. It was the cost of a man being cut off. Of the sin bearer plunging into the darkness and sinking into the depths and experiencing the judgment of God, not just for one person, but for the sins of the entire world. What a load was his. We can't begin to understand and fathom it. He says, I'm willing to pay the price that the rescue might be a success. And so today we have been watching and considering and hearing of this wondrous person. And he left the splendors of heaven knowing his destiny was the lonely hill of Golgotha, there to lay down his life for me. He came with that intention. He came for that purpose. He came on that mission. But tonight the sacrifice goes beyond human understanding. So great salvation. Such a tremendous cost. It involved the death of the Lord Jesus. It involved God giving his only begotten son that you might be rescued, that your sins might be forgiven. And that's why the question is, how will you escape if you say no to him? This is a so great salvation because of its, of its sentence. What if God had never sent his son? What's going to happen if you reject the Savior? A million years from now, you will understand, I have missed the greatest salvation for the unending ages of eternity. You will weep and wail and gnash your teeth. Missed it when I could have enjoyed so great salvation. I trust tonight this question will make an impression in your soul. How shall you escape if you neglect, if you say no to God's so great salvation? Yes, what a wonderful salvation God has to offer each one of us. His great heart of love is extended to you in the gospel today. Not receiving him is to turn down your only chance of deliverance from the punishment that must follow sin. Yes, God must punish sin, and there's no way around it. It is offensive to his holy character. In fact, it wouldn't be right if he didn't punish it. We hope that you will not be among those who choose to neglect this so great salvation until it's too late. Now is your time. If you are already saved, why don't you take this opportunity to thank the Lord right where you are. 
If you are not saved, turn to Christ now and come into the good of God's so great salvation. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at info at anchorpointradio.org. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by the Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.org. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.org, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.
his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since on me, for I am His, and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of first cry to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever plow 